Howdy, howdy, and welcome to episode 56 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 56, our topic of discussion is blind inline hockey. And I know that we have chatted about blind ice hockey several times here on the podcast, but uh, blind inline hockey is uh, quite a new concept. And uh, so our guest from El Paso, Texas, actually started a blind inline hockey club about 10 years ago. And uh, just with some pretty simple adaptations and technology and whatnot, he has uh, created quite a unique program there, and uh, he's looking to expand this sport uh, across the U.S. and uh, really around the world as well. So let's go ahead and strap on our skates, hit the court, grab our hockey stick, and get ready for episode 56. Okay, so my guest here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports is Dan Gard, and Dan is the founder and program director of the El Paso Moose's Blind Inline Hockey Club. Dan, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Greg, thank you very much for having me here. I feel very welcome. Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and super excited to talk about this very unique sport uh, that, like we had talked about before, um, I don't think it's it's really being done, you know, any in any kind of formal capacity anywhere else. So really excited to get into it. Well, there's a, there's a couple of dozen in the United States uh, ice hockey teams that are that have a blind program uh, and even, you know, also about a dozen in Canada. And there are more all the time. Every week now, I see a new one coming up. Uh, again, they play traditional rules, ice hockey, uh, for visually impaired players. Uh, when we started doing this back in, in 2012, I drew upon some of my experience with the USABA uh, when I was working with indoor soccer for blind athletes back in 1986 and 87. I remember very distinctly calling them up and saying, hey, I understand you guys have it, are a national organization that works with blind athletics and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we chatted for a while and I told them what we were doing and uh, we had set this program up and we have blind players playing together with sighted players and at which juncture, uh, uh, I forget the name of the guy I was talking to at that point, it was so kind of long ago, but he said, oh, Dan, no, 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 no. And, uh, okay, what? He said, Dan, if you're going to have blind sports, all the players have to be blind. Well, hmm. yeah, yeah, they are all blind. It's just it's, it's, it's the goalie who cited and, and no, 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 Dan, they all have to be blind. And I'm going, oh, well, okay, we can do that. So, so we, right. we cut it out. We put the blinders on the goalie. Uh, before that conversation, we had one player on each team who had to play only in the neutral zone. Uh, he was sighted, so he could be kind of a playmaker, so to speak. Okay. And once we put the blindfolds on everybody, it's like, wow, this is a better game. So we started out with every like goal ball and like five aside soccer, except for the goalies. But again, everybody plays blind. It, it's sure. the great, uh, the great uh, common denominator. It's the great equalizer. Uh, so we started out with that. And as a result, uh, we had to sit down. And again, having done this with soccer already, and then having done it with lacrosse for blind players back in 05, 
we had a kind of a formula where you had to sit down and say, okay, if, a, if somebody is going to play this sport, doesn't matter what the sport is, but if they're going to play hockey, what do they have to know in order to be able to play? Well, they have to be able to know where they are, got to know where it would be nice to know where the bad guys are. Uh, but also I have to know where the goals are uh, and I have to know where the, the object of play, I have to know where the hockey puck is. Right. Of course, because you don't have vision. All right. How can we get that information? Well, it sounds obvious when you say it, but they have to be able to, to hear the hockey puck. The hockey puck has to make noise. So uh, back with the soccer ball, we stuck a cup, we took a foam soccer ball, the same weight and, and size as regulation ball, drilled a hole in it and stuck a buzzer in it. That made a buzzing noise wherever it went and actually made an oscillating buzzing noise wherever it went. So I had done this before. Uh, and then in, we did the same thing with a lacrosse ball, uh, small and hard as a lacrosse ball is. It was, you, you could drill a hole real nicely in it and shove a little miniature buzzer in it that made noise. And that made it easy to find on the floor and pick up with your lacrosse stick. We had to teach people uh, how to pull and scoop with a lacrosse stick, but it worked. Sure. So in uh, 2012, this uh, young girl by the name of Michaela, uh, I'd, I'd known her dad for decades. And, and in fact, by coincidence, he was playing on the same recreation team that I was uh, in regular sighted inline hockey. And we were sitting on the bench back in the summer of 2012. And he mentioned he, know, he knew that I had just started up a, a recreation program in a different part of town than we were playing in. And we did have little kids hockey as part of that. And he asked about, he said, well, my daughter would like to play. And I said, well, great, bring her on down, no problem. And he said, well, there is, there is kind of one problem, Dan. He said, just to make sure you're aware of it, she's totally blind. Hmm. And I'm going, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought about it for about five seconds, but because I had done this before in other sports, I told him, yeah, okay, we can work with that. We can do that. You know, when can you bring her down? So she came down the next Sunday and, um, we devised a, a hockey puck that made a buzzing sound, and we had a beeper on. Uh, we put a beeper on the goal. Uh, the facility at that uh, point was a little half-court hockey rink, which was great for blind players because it's it's a smaller surface, so you have uh, a whole lot of control. Uh, it was it was by coincidence that we started out playing there, and of course we now play on full-size floors and everything. But sure. Um, it just worked really well. Uh, we we kept designing and kept devising and kept figuring how to make things better. And, you know, how does a blind player do this? And how would a blind player do that? And we've now got it to where a totally blind player who has any amount of spatial awareness as part of their everyday life, and if they don't have it, they'll develop it playing this game. Right. A totally blind player can skate out onto the floor and they know where everything is. They know where to move. Uh, they know how to make plays. And then the, the most important thing is they know how to create plays. I, I have played myself on an organized basis over my lifetime, having been a recreation professional for 30 years. I've played 27 different team sports. Wow. <laughs> most, most people can't even name 10 team sports, but I've played 27 myself. Mm. And I enjoy playing blind hockey more 
than any other sport I've ever played, including and especially the sighted ones. And, and the reason I say that is because blind inline hockey is the most creative sport I've ever played. That's what I enjoy about sports, being creative, inventing games, plays, inventing ways to play. Uh, if you think about the absolute best sports games you've ever seen, it's one player going one-on-one -on -one with another player, and each of them has to create and figure out a way to overcome their opponent and make that goal, make that uh, basket, make that home run, do whatever. Uh, it's these little confrontations that occur in sports with each player trying to be more creative than the other player. That's what makes sports fun. That's where you get a sense of accomplishment. And blind inline hockey has that more than any other sport I have ever played with the possible exception of Australian football. Mm -mm. Interesting. And I think that, you know, adaptive sports in general, you could really say, obviously you have to be a little more creative and think outside the box to enable people to be able to play and give them that access. So that's, that's a really interesting. Yeah. Literally every part of every play, you have to figure out what you're going to do. And in all odds is something that you've never done before. So you are constantly creating. The late level of creativity is extremely high. Exactly. Yep. And then, so let's dive into the rules of how, uh, you know, inline hockey, especially for the visually impaired is, is played. Okay. Uh, take, take the inline hockey rule book. It uh, doesn't matter which one you use. Uh, the game is exactly the same. Uh, there are two additions in general that we add to this. Uh, number one is all of the signals that a referee normally makes uh, we ask the referee to verbalize those signals, okay? Hmm. When, when the, the puck behaves in a certain way. Uh, we also ask the referee uh, to call out loose pucks. If, if the puck is sitting there with nobody attached to it, the referee is to call out loose puck in the neutral zone, loose puck in the defensive zone, loose puck in the offensive zone, whatever. Uh, we designate the zones on the floor as the white zone, the neutral zone, and the black zone. And these are just arbitrary thirds of the floor. Uh, sure. The refer and the, whenever the, the puck passes from one zone to another zone, uh, crosses over an imaginary blue line, as it were, the referee calls that out. Puck is now in the, in the white zone. Puck is now in the neutral zone. Puck is now in the black zone. Uh, just like he would in sighted hockey, if the puck is sitting there in or around the crease of the, of the low slot, and it's just sitting there and the goalie may or may not realize he's got it covered or not. If it's open, the, the, we want the referee to call out loose puck, loose puck uh, so that everybody knows. And it, especially the goalie, the goalie knows he doesn't have it covered as well. Uh, a goalie with all their equipment can't feel if the puck is under them, of course, uh, very rarely. Right. Uh, so we give, them that, we give them that benefit. And we also suggest that uh, whenever I referee a game, if again, if the puck is sitting there and nobody's attached to it, I'll call out, you know, puck is behind the net, side of the net, you know, puck, that type of thing. If you give general information as the referee, that doesn't, that's not giving instructions to players and it's not telling one team something that the other team doesn't have the same advantage of knowledge. Uh, then, then it works out real well. So we ask our referees to be verbal. That's one big change. And the other big change is, of course, 
that the hockey puck itself has a sounding device in it that is very loud, 105 decibels or more. And each goal, each goal uh, crossbar has a sounding device attached to it in the center, which is about 95 decibels each. So hmm. there's, there's a whole lot of sounds going on. And of course, we have an entire communication system, like all hockey teams, sighted or unwise, you know, they have a communication system. The players describe to each other where they are on the floor, uh, what part of the play they're in. Um, for example, I'm out there on the playing surface. Uh, I hear my teammate have is ready to make a pass. My teammate will actually ask, uh, Black, where are you? Okay, and I'll respond to them, black here, black here, uh, black two, rapid. Um, I'll tell them where I am and how I'm available so that they can make a pass to me. Right. Uh, which, frankly, you do inside at hockey anyway. Uh, you're out there giving each other information all the time. You've got George, you've got Sam, uh, you got Harry on your left, push it up. You know, the, you're, you're, we're telling each other, information all the whole time inside at hockey well we do the same thing in inside in at hockey uh, it is a rule we have that whenever you say anything uh, with the exception of passing or shooting when you say anything you have to declare your color uh, when I'm calling to my teammate to let him know that I'm in the, I'm on the number one wall and I call out black one black one black one I have to say my color beforehand uh, we have decided in our rule book that it would be tremendously unsportsmanlike for any player to deliberately or accidentally pretend to be on the other team and call for the puck. So right. just to avoid any happenstance of that whatsoever, if you're on the black team, you got to declare the word black before you say anything. If you're on the white team, you got to declare the word white before you say anything. Just so... Uh, you'll be calling out black here, black here, white here, white here, black moving up, black crossing over. Uh, when you're about ready to, you know, black, where are you? And your teammate calls out black here, here, here. And they do it with pauses in between. So this really enables you to pinpoint their location. Just hmm. before you pass it, you call out black passing. Although since a pass is a pass and it's free for anybody, you don't necessarily have to say your color when you're passing. You can just yell out passing. Uh, but we, again, you, it, seemed, it seems kind of silly because yes, you can hear the puck coming, but you don't pick up on it as, as being on a track if your teammate doesn't tell you they're passing. So we wholeheartedly encourage and we even chastise our teammates a little bit. It's like, dude, did you tell me you were passing? <laughs> no. Well, that thing went right by me before I knew it was coming. Come on. If you yep. tell me it's passing, uh, I'll know. So we, we, we emphasize this system of communication. So in, in terms of the rules, uh, it's again, it's the same game. It's regular hockey. It's the same exact game. Uh, but we have a little bit more communication involved. And uh, we ask that the referees do that as well. Uh, so that adds to the whole thing. Um, you know, we don't we don't drop the puck for a faceoff. The puck is the puck is seated on the dot. Uh, both players are allowed to touch their stick to the puck so they know where it is, and they have to pull their sticks back into a ready position. And the referee will yell "go," and that starts every faceoff. Uh, frankly, that's just as good as anything. Uh, in fact, it works really well. And then uh, I understand there are some markings on the floor as well. 
Well, on our particular floor, because we were we were able to do this, we had the materials. We uh, we have two. We call them zone lines. They are situated approximately where blue lines and ice hockey are, and mm-hmm. these are made with uh, skating surface tiles that are text, uh, tactile. So when you skate over them, when your wheels roll over them, you can feel them. Uh, we have done the same thing on ice where we simply get little ice pebbles and we pebble the blue lines so that when you skate over a line, you can feel it. And when you also put your stick, your toe of your stick down on the floor and skate over the blue line, you can feel it with your stick as well. Uh, Our website has a whole bunch of pictures showing players doing this. So we have some tactile areas on the floor. We originally, when we originally did this, we were thinking pretty much play ice because that's what everybody else is doing. Okay, we found out that this game, when everybody plays blind, the rules and the the tactics of inline hockey lend themselves to the game much better than ice than the ice hockey game does. So we 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 had always been playing inline hockey along with the ice, but we now are doing the inline exclusive uh, just because it works better. Frankly, Uh, the puck performs better. Uh, the player originally we had the blue lines there because we were, even though we were playing in line, which does not have an offside rule, we were playing offside because we were focusing toward moving the game toward ice. Uh, now we are not doing that. So we don't care about offside anymore, but we, we found out right away that the heck with being offside, when you skate over a zone line, when you skate over the blue line, you know where you are on the floor. So it's a tremendous advantage. Now, unfortunately, not every hockey rink we play on is going to have blue lines. Uh, again, sure. ours does, which uh, enables us to play the game at a little bit higher level with a little bit more confidence. And we're going to encourage that uh, programs uh, actually have a tactile blue line as, as they go along, uh, if that can be something that, that can be done. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, we, golly, we experimented for three months on ice with different ways <laughs> to pick the blue line. Uh, mm. it, it took a long time before we found a system of the right size and shape of ice pebbles uh, and how to apply those to the surface. And, and it took us a long time to figure out a thing that worked to the point where we even had the rink guys thinking that, well, you know what, we could actually make the blue line for you guys. We can make the blue line like a little ditch. Uh, right about a half an inch or whatever like a, a, and everything to where they were talking about when they set up the ice the next spring, or I'm sorry, the next fall, uh, they were going to set the, the blue line down in the sand of another six inches so they could, they could work that. And it's, you know, guys, let's not go to all this trouble. We want to do something that's easily producible anywhere. So we can live without the blue line, but yeah, the zone lines are very helpful for the players. Absolutely. For sure. And then, uh, so just to clarify, and I, I know you've mentioned, you know, players playing blind, so they actually wear uh, these opaque uh, goggles, correct? Yeah, exactly like they do in five-a-side soccer, exactly like they do in goalball, okay? Although, we have found that we don't use the, the pretty much what are sw- uh, ski shades, uh, which is where those evolved from, uh, the ski masks. We, we actually use the swim goggles. And oh, I see. And we, we have the same swim goggles that they use in B1 uh, classification swimming in the Olympics. Uh, oh, wow. And, 
and they were they were great. Uh, yeah, the 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 masks that the uh, uh, that the goalball players well wear, just as an example, a little too big to fit under a hockey helmet, effectively. Right, that's so true. We found the swim goggles do the same thing. Gotcha. And then just in terms of other equipment, so I know you did mention a helmet. Uh, I assume you recommend, you know, pads, elbow pads, knee pads, whatnot. Yeah, we uh, we do t- we do take the. Uh, I'm not sure what to call them, but the uh, hockey helmets come with little clear plastic inserts hmm. that fit over, fitting over the ear holes. We take those out because you got you got to be able to hear, and those things do. Right. So, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so we take those out. Um, but we do make sure the helmet and the mask are, are you know, perfectly fitted to, to a person's uh, head and face. So that we got that. Um, but other than that, we generally follow along with uh, the uh, normal protection for an inline hockey player. Uh, the chest and shoulder pads that, that an ice hockey player would are just totally unnecessary for an in, for inline play. So we don't, we don't generally, I don't think we have anybody that wears those mm-hmm. at all. Um, we do have several players that wear hip pads, however, underneath their, their hockey pants, their long pants. And of course, then, you know, yes, I think you're an idiot if you don't wear shin guards. And, <laughs> and we don't allow idiots to play. So, um, yeah, we do have shin guards. Uh, we wear elbow pads and uh, gloves, of course, because you're really an idiot if you don't wear gloves. And oh, uh, the helmet is <laughs> mask. Um, other than the shoulders, um, if you were to fall down between hips, knees, ankles, toes, head, uh, elbows, uh, every, anything that could come in contact with the floor uh, is padded. So it works out real well. And again, it's just standard inline hockey equipment. Although in our experimenting, we have found that, uh, frankly, lacrosse gloves work really good as hockey gloves. Uh, hmm. almost all of us, almost all of us, I think out of our 12 players, I think 10 of us have lacrosse arm guards rather than elbow pads. Uh, I see. Interesting. I, I, I myself wear uh, baseball and a couple of other our players do too. We were baseball catchers, shin guards for our oh, shin yeah. which are much more protective than hockey shin guards as they protect the top of the boot. They protect the sides of the ankle and they have that double, that double pad up above the knee and thigh. You know, I, I might also mention we have a couple of things that are that are also uh, kind of requisite to, to playing blind. Uh, the one that really stands out is more than half of our players have a tether, a loop of a shoestring or, or a lace or whatever attached to the end of their hockey stick, the butt end. And this you wrap around your hand, put your hockey glove on so that your stick is your stick is tied to your hand, as it were. We were wondering about the safety of that, or if that could get your stick involved in tripping somebody or something. But as we played, we found out that that didn't present any problem at all, frankly. But what happens is if you're playing totally blind and you can't see anything and you drop your hockey stick, you're, you may be able to find it or you may not. And right. if you drop it and it goes anywhere away from you or gets knocked out of your hand, it gets knocked into a, a situation five to 10 feet away from you, uh, you now just went into the you're never going to find it category. Uh, so we found out by tethering your stick to your hand uh, as the hockey stick every once in a while will get knocked out of your hand. It's, it's attached to your hand. You just grab it again and there you go. 
which works really, really well. So we have that little thing that a lot of us use, uh, which makes it uh, a little bit better for the blind player. Right. Very interesting. Um, as far as a typical game goes, uh, you know, how long is an actual game? Is it like three periods, kind of like traditional hockey? Or Okay. We choose to play three periods. And we recognize that the rest of the entire inline hockey world plays two halves. Hmm. Uh, and I, internationally, they play four quarters. So we may get stuck playing four quarters internationally. We may have to follow suit on that. Uh, myself, just, you know, I learned how to play hockey as a little kid back in the 60s. Okay. And so I, I kind of follow a traditional mental set on this. Uh, sure. And I, I, you know, you, you play three periods in hockey and you play eight chuckers in polo. Okay. That's the way it is. Right. <laughs> hockey is unique. Okay. So I, I, as we develop blind inline hockey, we would like to continue to have everybody play three periods. Um, when time comes for us to set up a national rule book and then an international rule book, uh, I may get shouted down on that. And we may have to go along with the rest of the world and play four quarters or two halves or whatever. But, uh, you know, we're not playing polo, so we're playing three periods of hockey, as, as long as I have a say in it. We'll see how long that goes, but, you know, there it is. Right, right. No, I see. And we, 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 when we practice, you know, we, we do some drill work, and then we usually play three 10-minute periods uh, with breaks in between. Uh, we don't generally play substitutions or anything. We play three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. Uh, depending on how many players we have there at one time. So, and again, 12 players is the total that we have. So even if we have 12, we'll play five on five and have two guys referee and we'll rotate each period who the referees are. So everybody gets to play, everybody gets to referee. And of course, it's, it's only the, it's only the sighted guys who can referee anyway. So right. kind of <laughs> cuts it down there. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I did want to give you a chance just to mention any specific players, any shout outs you want to mention, uh, and just maybe also in general terms, what's kind of the age range of the players you have? And I know it's both male, male and female, correct? It is both male and female. Uh, we started out and when we, when we, way we teach the game, uh, you know, the, the first person, the first, I'm sorry, the first question that somebody usually asks me when they encounter, oh, you play blind? Um, how does that work? Don't they crash into each other? Is always the question I get first. Yep. And if you think about it, what happens is as, as you're skating toward a hockey puck, when you get to the hockey puck, you slow down. When you get to the wall, you slow down. If your focus is on acquiring the hockey puck, as the closer you get to it, the more you slow down. Now, when you're sighted, and you can tell exactly where it is from 50 feet away, you can skate all full burners until you get to it, then you know, stop on a dime and, and pick it up from there. Uh, if you can't tell where it is, like, cause you're blind, but first you go around with the general direction uh, skating line. And then as you get to about 15 feet of it, uh, your hearing changes and you start getting a little more specific direction and you, you obviate your skating, you change your skating line to go to the puck. And then when you get 
three, four feet from it, three, five feet, then you can reach out with your stick and acquire it. But as you do that, you slow down. Nobody, you know, nobody skates as fast as they can until they go by the puck and then turn around and go get it. Nobody does that. It right. happens by accident sometimes. Uh, so we know how to do it, but that's not what you do. You skate to the puck. And when you get to the puck, you stop to get it with your stick. So two players from opposite directions are going to stop before they get to each other just in, as a normal habit. And as players move about the floor, especially if they're moving in a crossover position or, or they're changing lanes or something like this, they're talking, they're saying, you know, black moving up, black coming back to black coming back to uh, black cross, black crossing three, black crossing three. You know, they're talking about what they're doing. Um, we, you know, we have a we have a deal that's it, I don't, it's it's an unwritten rule. But when you move, and you don't you don't have to be yelling or shouting. And when you're talking to a teammate who's 60, 70, 80 feet away, you have to use your outdoor voice. You have to yell as loud as you possibly can, so your opponent can. I'm sorry, so your teammate can focus in on where you are. But when you're just skating around and you're only only people 15, 10, 15 feet away need to hear you. Okay, so you use an inside voice at that point. You know, sure. What we call your 10 foot voice. Okay. So if I'm if I'm coming back and I'm I'm calling out black coming back to black coming back to black coming back to and I crash into you because you weren't saying it, you weren't saying white here, white here. So I, you know, you can hear me coming because I'm talking. <laughs> you don't say anything and I crash into you. That's your fault. You didn't say anything. Exactly. So, there's different levels of communication that are going on on the floor all the time. Now, I apologize at this point. I'm not sure if I've answered the original question or not. Yeah, I was just curious about, uh, you know, the age range of the players that you have. I'm sorry. And, yeah, yeah we, no have, we, we have teenagers. We yep. have players in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s. And at the, at the end of this month, I turn 70. So we'll have somebody in their 70s by the time we get to February 26th. <laughs> So literally, quite literally, we don't care what your age is, you know, do, if you want to play, that's all that's necessary. Now, admittedly, a player who is visually impaired but has some residual vision, while they still qualify as disabled, they still qualify as visually impaired, uh, we, we make them wear the dark glasses so that everybody's even. Uh, and right. obviously, sighted players have to wear the, the opaque glasses so everybody's even. Uh, you know, we all play blind. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm harking, I'm harking back to USABA's admonition to me. Uh, although, you know, we admit USABA does sanction and is operating uh, the uh, sport of blind soccer here in the United States. Right. Uh, they've affiliated this program with the United States Soccer Federation, but it's USABA that's running it. And the way that that program was developed in Europe and South America. Uh, the goalkeeper who has to stay within the goal box, uh, the goalkeeper is sighted. So he can give directions to his teammate. To be honest with you, we found that counterproductive. Uh, hmm. You know, it, it's a standard joke that when we have a family member or an acquaintance or something, somebody come by to sit on the bench to watch us play and, and just observe us and as, as a fan, uh, it, you know, inevitably, as somebody's approaching the puck, th this well-meaning spectator will yell, it's right there, it's right there. Which of course gives absolutely no information to the blind player whatsoever. 
Okay. Right. In fact, in fact there's nothing but confuse everybody. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, uh, it, it all comes back to, uh, you know, anybody can play. We want anybody to play, but you got to be willing to play blind is all. Absolutely. Well said. And then, uh, so to wrap up here, as far as uh, the benefits of adaptive sports, uh, I'm curious, you know, specifically your players there on the Mooses, uh, can you talk to me about just any kind of changes you've witnessed that have been positive in terms of a player? Yes, you know, I how, can. Sure, how inline hockey has really impacted their whole Every, life kind of in we've general. Been, we've been doing this now. This August, we'll, we'll have completed 10 years of doing this. Wow. Uh, less, less hiatus time for pandemic sitting out. Uh, over that time period, I have encountered people from all walks of life, uh, I have encountered people from all over the El Paso and Southern New Mexico area. Uh, every single practice, I make a point to thank every player for participating in this program. Uh, frankly, uh, physiologically, I'm in pretty bad shape. I'm getting old and I can't skate hardly anything compared to what I used to be able to do, but I can skate intelligently enough to be at the right place at the right time, I can still play this game. Without these players, I wouldn't be able to play in hockey anymore. So mm -hmm. I thank them for that. But every single one of them is very, very aware that, hey, this is the coolest thing on, on you know, since sliced bread, because with this game of blind inline hockey, guess what? I can play this. I can play it, I can do it, and I can do it really, really well. In, in talking to anybody who plays sports, I will ask them, when's the last time you walked out of the, you walked off the playing field or the court or whatever it is, and in your mind, you're thinking, man, that was fun. Okay, what you're really thinking is, I really did good. I did well. I accomplished things. I created plays. I made things happen. I was effective. I scored goals or I didn't. I set up goals or whatever. I helped my team or I made great plays here or great plays there. Whenever something is fun, it's really because you really had a great sense of accomplishment. And that's the main thing that, that adaptive sports can give to any person. You know, uh, I remember as a little kid uh, and then as a teenager, you know, it wasn't that I lived and died for sports, but, you know, it was, you know, I, I knew that as mundane or boring or disinterested as I was in any particular school project or whatnot, in terms of dealing with my education, I always had the game on Friday or the game on Tuesday or the game on Saturday. You know, there's always something to look ahead to that yep. in terms of goal orientation and every single practice in terms of, of goal oriented or personal aggrandizement or self-worth or self-confidence or all the self-hyphenates we do. Uh, my players, I call them mine because they're mine. Um, <laughs> it's how I feel. Uh, sure. I, I love these guys. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they tell me every single practice how much they really enjoyed it, how much this really was. And it ain't like we only practice once a month, so it's a rare occasion. Uh, we've got this set up to where any player we've scheduled morning, afternoon and evening practices so that any one player, depending upon what their work schedule or home schedule is, any player would be able to attend three practices a week. OK, so we're wow. talking 
our players play 10 to 12 hours each, usually per, mm. per month. Uh, so they're, they're out there all the time, but still everybody, everybody just enjoys this so much, myself included and myself especially, that we, we thank each other for the participation. Uh, it, it is the greatest thing in the world. And that's what sports is supposed to make a person feel. That's how we're supposed to use sports to develop ourselves personally and professionally. So, you know, you get a pen and a piece of paper and write down what sports is supposed to do for you as a person and for your daily life. Uh, I'm here to tell you blind inline hockey does it all over the place. And all my players tell me this and I tell them the same thing every single week. Right. That's, that's really amazing. And, you know, I can hear in your voice, just your passion for this sport and the, the players and the difference that you're making. So I personally want to thank you for, you know, offering this program and certainly look forward to following your progress. And I know your goal is to, to really expand and hopefully help others start similar programs as well. Well, that's the idea. Um, we're casting about, and I've been, I've got about a dozen people now that I've got contact information for and have, uh, they've expressed an initial interest in getting a program started in their city. And hopefully once we get back to playing here this month and, and the economy and, and the world opens up a little bit as hopefully the pandemic starts to dim once again, uh, you know, th this, is, this is a thing. I mean, without giving away any specific medical knowledge, all of our players are in a high-risk category for a COVID infection, right. myself, myself included. Uh, what would disabilities or uh, immunocompromised situations or uh, medical conditions or medications, combinations of medications themselves that suppress the immune system or whatever, uh, we're all high risk. So we have to be very, very specific and very careful about how we participate in social activities. And that includes this, especially this. So we're, we are very careful. When we get back into it, we are planning on going to uh, anywhere from half a dozen to a dozen other places uh, around the country this, uh, this summer and this fall. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're out there and you hear this podcast and you've got just yourself and one other player, we would like you to have two players. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll drive out to your place and we'll try to get with your rink people or your program people and we'll try to set up a program for you. If it's just you, but if you got two people, then you got a crowd. Uh, so we'd like we you know we'd like to come out and show you how we play inline hockey, show you our hockey puck, show you how it works, show you how to make it work, and uh, we'll we'll help anybody and everybody who wants to do this. And then hopefully by the following year, uh, we can start to do some interregional play, uh, like they're like they're doing with the with the ice hockey now, where teams from one city are going to another city and playing games with them just for fun. And then there, of course, there's a couple of national events that we can all get together. And whether we do it festival style, we make teams from everybody who's there or whether we have actual formed teams coming, uh, that's irrelevant. The idea is we're gonna get out there we're gonna play on a national level. And by 2023, actually have an official national championship for the sport, which would be just great whether it's going to be the inline cup or state wars or NARCH or whatever we do, uh, NARCH would be great. Uh, <laughs> one invitation is 
every single one of you guys who are blind who play visually impaired ice hockey, you know, come play with us too. Um, you know, if, if nothing else, <laughs> if nothing else, how'd you like to be able to play in both the Winter Olympics and the Summer Paralympics? I mean, how'd you like to be able to play in both Paralympics? Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, oh, yeah, that's a great thought. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do consider every goalball player out there who's already used to playing totally blind, uh, every blind soccer player who's already used to playing totally blind, uh, and every visually impaired hockey player, uh, although it's ice, who's already used to playing hockey. Um, all of these are potential blind inline hockey players. And I think they would find that it's, it's just as or more enjoyable uh, than the sport they're doing. I'm not trying to steal anybody from any other sport. I'm just saying, hey, how'd you like to play two sports or three? You know, who wouldn't? <laughs> right. uh, out loud. So, uh, you know, again, the, I would like there to be all kinds of opportunities for blind athletes. I would like there to be all kinds of, of opportunities for people who are blind who have never thought of themselves as an athlete. I'd like them to be able to come out and play and say, hey, you know what? I can play this game. I can play a sport. I can play a team sport with teammates. Never thought I'd be able to do that, but I can. Because all I've ever done before is, is back, in, back in school, what the adaptive PE teacher did in terms of a watered down game that wasn't really a real game, but it barely, you know, it got me doing something, but it wasn't that much fun because I didn't, wasn't able to do that much in it. Well, this game, you can do everything in it, everything. Uh, from time to time, I've gone on the internet and pulled photographs of NHL players in action. And then I've gone back into my archives of photos and I pulled up photos of our blind players pretty close to exactly matching the actions of the NHL players. So hmm. I'm here to tell you that, that our game and our players find that they are able to do everything that an NHL player can do. Maybe not as fast, maybe not as strong, maybe not as quick, but we can play hockey and we can play hockey just like the big boys. Uh, so this is working real, real well. And it doesn't matter whether you're male or female either. Uh, the puck doesn't know the gender of the person that's maneuvering it. Absolutely. Yep. All great points. Very well said. All right. And I did want to give you an opportunity to mention uh, if anyone is interested in learning more about the Mooses, how they can find out more. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Danny Gard, D-A-N-N-Y Gard, G-U-A-R-D. Uh, I post things almost every day or at least every other day about our program. Uh, we do have a website. Uh, the URL is blindhockeymooses.com. All one word, blindhockeymooses.com. And that really, if you're interested in starting a program, that website is, a, is a, what I consider to be a really good how-to-do-it manual. Here's how you start it. Here's how you learn the game. Here's how you coach the game. Here's how you play the game. Uh, here's what you need to do to, to set up a program. I, I think I've got a, a whole bunch of lists on things you can do on that. So, uh, and uh, my phone number is all over the place uh, on the website. So you can, anybody can call me anytime and we'll get together. Uh, definitely put it together for you. Awesome. 
Perfect. All right. Uh, again, we've been chatting with Dan Gard of the El Paso Mooses Blind Inline Hockey Club. And uh, Dan, really appreciate the time. Again, thank you for everything you're doing as far as providing these opportunities, you know, for blind athletes and really enjoyed uh, the conversation here. Greg, thank you. And I really enjoyed the conversation myself. Appreciate uh, this as an opportunity to talk to folks. Thank you, sir. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.